Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Today, I'm going to be at 1 Samuel 17, so if you'd like to turn your Bibles there, that'd be a, a great thing. We'll read together what 1 Samuel 17 has to say. And the verse I'm looking at is quite a simple one, really. It's just one little verse. Here's what it said. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? That's all it is. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? And let's, let's see if we can break this story up just a little bit and make us understand what's, what does he mean? What's going on? David's a kid, uh, maybe a teenager. And as a teenager, it was his responsibility. He's the kid of the family, youngest one in the family. It's his responsibility to take care of the sheep. Now, I want you to realize he's been doing that for a long time. He started going out with his, his older brother so he could learn what he's supposed to do, but he's been out there for quite a long time. And being uh, one who takes care of the sheep, do you realize what it means to take care of the sheep? you got to have plant identification knowledge. you got to be a botanist. you got to know what sheep can eat and what they can't eat. you got to be a, a, a well enough knowing what's going on there that you cannot afford the sheep to get sick. That's your livelihood. So you're going to have to make sure the sheep are always eating the right, eating the right thing. And you're going to have to go ahead of the sheep to look that field over. You're going to have to learn to be a good examiner and pull out what they can eat. You're going to have to be somebody that sleeps with the sheep when they're out there. You're going to have to be somebody who knows how to build a fire. You're going to have to know how to camp out. You follow where I'm coming from here? You're going to have to know how to cook your own meals, provide what you need to have, gather up what you need. You have to learn how to forage. You have to learn to feed. What kind of plants are out here that I can eat? How am I going to be taken care of? So you're going to have to be one who's got good ears. You're listening all the time to find out what's happening around here. Is there any sounds going on here that I need to know about? You're going to have to know this, that the Lord has given you a table in the presence of your enemies. There are wolves that are watching all the time to see what sheep is going to be over here that I might be able to get. There are bears that are going to be there that you are living around every day. Now, would you say that that's some pretty good responsibility for a kid? I think that's pretty big. And one of those days, he's called back in. And his dad says, I need you to come home with it, son. So he sends somebody out to watch the sheep. So he comes home, yes, sir. What is it, sir? Son, this man wants to talk to you a moment. And there's Samuel. And Samuel says to him, are you David? Yeah. And Samuel stops and thinks, is this the one, Lord? And the Lord said, do it. That's the one. And here you are, just a guy who's been watching sheep. You've not been doing anything else. And somebody pours oil on your head and says, you're the new king. Huh? King? I'm the baby of the family. I'm living out with sheep. King? Okay, so you're going to stole that away in your memory. There's going to be another day when your dad calls you and says, Son, I need to see you. Yes, sir? You see this food here? Yeah. Take it to your brothers. 
They need to, logistically, Saul's just not got enough to feed all the troops all the time. So you take this and and tell them to share it with the other guys. Oh, boy. David's thinking, this is going to be great. I love to go out there and see this. I'm not old enough to be in battles, you know. I I just, well, man, I can't wait to see my brothers. I want to see how the battle's going. This is going to be good. Yes. And so you head out there. And when you get there, you find your brothers and everybody else behind rocks and cowering around and eating what little things they can. And you're kind of confused saying, what's going on? And before you can hear anything, before you can say anything else, 10-foot giant shows up. And he starts yelling obscenities. He starts talking about God. He starts talking about, and David goes, what in the world? What is that? So he speaks to his brothers. And he asks around, what's that guy do? Matter of fact, you're at 1 Samuel 17. Let's just back up here. Um, David is saying, let's back up to verse, uh, verse 24, okay? And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, that's this 10-foot giant guy, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from his taxes in Israel. That might be worth killing a giant for. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him and said, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And he t- tells him what's going to happen to him. And his brothers now are upset with him. Who in the world do you think you are? coming up here with all us soldiers, coming up here with real men of war, men, and you come in and say, what's going on here? What are you guys cowering about? What's with you guys? He's just a giant. And so he says, what have I done now? What did I do that was so wrong? Isn't there a cause? You know, this is a kid who's been listening to the stories that's been told for all his life. Yes, there we were encamped on the other side of the Jordan. And they sent spies into the land. And the spies went into the land and they saw giants. And they said, we can't go in, it's scary. And all our fathers had to march in the wilderness for 40 years until they were all dead. And then that day came when the guy, he gave us another chance. And we weren't going to blow it. We went in and we live here. Can you get the heart of David as he listens to those hero stories? Yes, <laughs> we did it. We got this whole land. I live here. I got all these sheep right here. I got all this property right here. Why? Because those guys went in and they won. You got to be one happy kid. And now, not old enough to go to war, you've been just told to go to war. Go watch and see what happens. And so you do. Only to find out. Is the 12 spies back again? A giant? Do you not remember the stories I've been hearing since I was a kid? Who did we beat to get here? What about old Caleb? Man, he, he, he looked up there and the mountain was full of giants and he said, give me that mountain. I want that one. And that's the one he took. Is it not a cause? Did you guys forget the Lord will be with us. What, what's the deal? It's just a giant. 
Whoop him! Beat up on the boy. It's an uncircumcised Philistine. They don't have a right to this land. It's our land. But you can't say all that when you're a kid. But you can believe all that when you're a kid. You know what I'm saying? Now, consider with me here. Is there not a cause? The reason we have Memorial Day, the reason we remember is to know the stories. So go with me here just a minute. We'll go quickly through this. The innocent bravery of youthful faith. Why do you suppose we send 18-year-olds to war and not 45-year-olds? Other than the fact that, like others, there might be a little paunch going on there. Because there is certain innocent bravery to youthful faith. Okay. There's a certain confidence that's there at 18 that may be lacking at 25. May not be near so much there at 45. And at 73, he says, go, boys. This young man, was a pers- he had a personal dependent relationship with God. He's an anointed, spirit-filled young man. Can I tell you that? Dads, we want our boys to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We want them to know and have a personal relationship with God. When he's outside all the time, underneath the stars, knowing he's, got, he's in the presence of his enemies, that gives you a pretty good relationship with Almighty God. You're looking at the vastness of this whole thing. Remember, this is the kid who, put, who pins Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. So laying there on his back at night looking up all that, oh, God, you are awesome. You are so awesome. This is the boy who sat there every night camping, listening for the sheep, seeing if everything okay with them, loving to hear the sound of their sleeping, afraid to see if somebody's sick or not, or having that one little wounded sheep that's with you right there in camp and you're taken care of. You can all of a sudden get a pretty dependent relationship on him. And he's got the knowledge of this. I have been anointed the king of Israel. I don't even know what that means, but I've got a future. I've got a purpose ahead for me. Number two, he learns responsibility every day. Kids, to be able to give our kids responsibilities every day is critical. To make sure they know they're doing something. I appreciate all the dads here I see giving jobs to their their boys and girls, giving them responsibility to take care of. You've got this, you've got that, you take care of this, you take care of that. Learns responsibility every day. David was full of responsibility. So when he came up to see who this giant was, he's loaded with responsibility. He's looking this thing over saying, it's our responsibility. Why are we waiting? This is like a bear. This is like a lion. This is like a wolf. Take him out. He's got a stymie here. Take him out. Why has he got us built up like this? Let me go on number three. He lives on the land interdependently. He's familiar with difficulties, problem solving, and challenges. That's a young man that's doing that. He's living on the land interdependently. He knows that the land provides for him, and he's going to take care of that land himself. He's looking for water for the sheep. He's looking for the good land that he can be on. He's going to live interdependently with that land. Number four, he knows the history of his land and loves it. He's learned what the history of his land was. Kids, we really need a fresh look at the history of our country. Why we're here, what we're all about. We need a fresh look as believers at why we are saved. 
and where we're headed, where we're going, what's the purpose behind it. We need a fresh look at all of that. Number five, he senses his purpose before God. When he goes to this battlefield, he's going to know he's got a purpose. And if God has going to take the time to anoint him to be the future king, what does that tell him about what he's going through right now? Is there anything he needs to be afraid of? Not if he's going to be anointed king. He knows this. I'm not king right now. I've been anointed a king. That's future. Since it's future, I'm not going to be afraid of anything right now because nothing's going to get in the way of me being anointed that king because God said it. You follow where we're coming from? That is a personal dependent faith. Let's go then on to this. He knows the Torah. He knows the Torah, the founding documents. The Torah is the founding document of Israel. Everybody follow where I'm at? And he knows it. How do I know he knows it? He's the one who penned Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not wait in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in what? The Torah of the Lord. And in his Torah, he meditates day and night. David knew the Torah. Our young men and young women need to know the Bible, need to know where the books are, need to know how to find the books, need to know what the story is, they need to know what the big picture is, they need to know where to find the small picture. They need to get all of that, all right? And if I can say this, he had a clear-eyed focus. He knew what Israel was all about. He knew why they were there. He knew what was supposed to happen. And he knew that this Philistine was in the way. He'd already learned problem solving, already learned difficulties uh, and how to get over challenges, and he's ready to get over this challenge. He's wondering, which one of you guys are going to step up there and go whoop that guy? What are, what are you doing this year? Well, don't, don't just wait around here anymore, okay? Let me go to the second part. Is there not a cause? What to remember? What should we be remembering? So if we're looking at this, I, I, I go back to Memorial Day, and I I think many times I'm glad to see the memes that come out and all the things that come out that are remembering and honoring, remembering and honoring. And I hope that's exactly what we're doing. But I also see the, the memes that come out about sale here, sale there, sale here, sale there. Uh, don't forget to get your pork steak here and your pork steak. Don't forget to be at the lake. And this is the first thing. And I'm thinking, wait, wait. Why have the day? So I, I went back. I, I remember this. It, it didn't. It wasn't always called Memorial Day. I remember when, as a kid, my grandparents would bring up it's Decoration Day. It's Decoration Day. Now let me just share this with you. The original Decoration Day took place in small towns all across the South and the North. It was Civil War time. And each of those villages and each of those towns had seen some sort of skirmish there, and somebody had been killed there. And so they would take the bodies of people who'd been killed in that battle, and they would bury them. Sometimes they would not know whether it was the Union or it was the Confederacy. They didn't always know, but they knew that this was somebody who was a son of somebody somewhere, who might have been a father to some children somewhere, but this guy, whoever it was, and he wasn't always identified, was buried. And as the war went on, there were many women who recognized these graves are far from home, and there's nobody there that would know what to do with them. So they started going in, in May. What, what happens in May? Flowers bloom, so they could go take fresh-cut flowers, and they would go decorate the graves of the soldiers who died in those battles. 
Consequently, they call it Decoration Day. And it was very practical. You just wait until the flowers grow up. You're not set in any particular time. There's not florist shops that you go to and you can buy flowers anytime. You waited till it grew. That's why we have weddings in June. The flowers have bloomed in June, and you get to have all the cut flowers you want for your wedding to help cut down on the body odors of all the people who come to the wedding. All right. <clears throat> we have it to remember the people who died because they weren't necessarily there. Now, you know, it, please, please don't understand. We're not remembering the veterans. That's the people who are in the service and live. We're remembering those who were in the service and died. When it first was coming about, we remember the soldiers who died in battle. But as the years went on and we got more wars and more death was going on, it began to be, let's serve all those, whether they are buried here, they're not buried here, let's remember all those. Then after a while, it started being, let's remember all those who served and died, even if they didn't die in battle. And that's what it is today. We're remembering those who served who have died, but whether it was in the battle or not is inconsequential to us. They served nonetheless, all right? So what to remember? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 just for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. And now we want to transition into the New Testament here just a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. This is that famous faith chapter. And in this chapter, we're going to see, um, let's just look at verse 1 for just a moment. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Faith is the evidence or the substance of things not seen. It's the things hoped for. Let, Let me just state it this way. Our faith is a present opportunity about a past event that's about a future happening. You follow where I'm coming from? We're looking back at what Jesus did in the past, something he did back there, but we're not staying in the past. What he did back in the past, he died for our sins, and he was raised again. But I'm believing that in the present That has some sort of present consequence. Why did Jesus die? You said to pay for our sins. Yeah, I get it. But why did he die? Because of something that's out here, something that's in the future. Our faith is based in the past, and it has present consequences. We're living that faith now. But kids, if you're not looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're missing something in your faith. We're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a new heavens and a new earth. We are not, if I can say it, looking for how we can use Jesus to be more prosperous than we were yesterday. We're not just simply camping back here in the back and and keep on talking about the pitifulness of our sins. If you just spend your time in the past, all our songs come out of be about our sin, our sin, our sin, our sin. If you're going to keep concentrating on the sin, 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 all you're going to think about is my sinfulness and not about my gracious salvation. What he did in the past is done in order that you could look to the future. 
And what you're going to do is look at this great cloud. Matter of fact, look at verse chapter 12, verse 1. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us. Now, what did he just tell us there? He said this, that we are going to look at all the witnesses. You know what you have to do in order to do that? You have to have a memorial day. So what you're doing, we're right here, living today, looking ahead for that great coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we just only think of present circumstances, we're only going to think about the problems we got right now. How do I get through this? How do I get through that? How do I get through this? Here's what he said to do. Look back. Look at that great cloud of witnesses that's already been through all this. Look at the people who came through. Here, there's an Abraham here. There's a Moses here. There's an Isaac and a Jacob, and there's prophets all through here, and there's a David, and there's, and there's a Jesus. You're going to look back in order to see this great cloud of witnesses. And that's not in order so that you can make great stories about the great crowd of witnesses. You're looking at their lives, yes. Why did they die? What was the purpose? Why were, that, why were they doing that? And kids, that has something to do with now and something to do with the future. So let me just go back and uh, share with you a little more things here. We look back at the men and women of faith and courage. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. You look back at the men and women of faith and courage. Some of them did really great things, and some of them did really small things. It says about one of them that all that person did was receive their dead back to life. Well, I think the the widow. And that widow back in, uh, who was it, Elijah's day, Elisha's day, one of the two whose son, he came to stay with her. She was not an Israelite. He came to stay with her. She took care of him, gave him quarters and so forth. Remember, that's the one about the little little bit of oil, a little bit of flour, and he just kept being a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour, and had enough to eat every day. Well, that boy died. And the prophet came back, laid on the boy. He's alive. Got his son back. Do you realize it counts her as one of those champions of the faith? Not even an Israelite. And what did she get to do? But receive him back from the dead. Hold on. She believed the prophet of Jehovah. That made her a person of faith. And she went to the prophet of Jehovah to say, my kid's dead. It's your fault. And the boy rises from the dead. She believed in God. So she's included in this faith and courage group. You know, as we were placing uh, flags yesterday, I looked back and I thought, I wonder what's the story of this family? Well, as, as, as you're placing it there, and it says that he was serving such and such core, and you're wondering, what, what, what did he do? What kind of adventures did he have? What were the great things, small things? What, what, what was important about his radio transmission? Were, were there, was there somebody saved because of his radio transmission? What did he do in this medical corps he was in? What did this one do as a pilot? What sort of logistic behavior went on that supported a cause? 
Is it not a cause? Is it not a cause? Is it not a reason why we do these things? That's why I think David's question is a great one. I looked at Day and I asked us, is there not a cause? Is there not something that's worth it? To go back and look and say, why'd they die? Oh, I remember now. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for this guy. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for this whole group of people here. All the beautiful things I'm getting to enjoy today are because of the lives of thousands, millions of these people right here. Stepping further, remember the witnesses of what they did. First of all, you're going to have to know yourself what's really important. If it's about the, the next good whatever you can buy because it's a Memorial Day sale, say, say you probably missed on what's really important. You probably are letting this culture dictate to us what's really important. Don't! This culture is a lie. Somebody's making a profit off of your emotional feeling. How shameful. Brothers and sisters, is there not something about freedom? Is there not some, some cause out there that really is important? Is the salvation of a soul really not that important? Is the life that's going to be taken this Tuesday unimportant? Do I know what they were going to do? Do I have any idea? Is there not a cause? Know what's truly important. Tell the stories of truly authentic heroes. Recognize the ones whose feet were smaller. This lady that received her son back from the dead, she didn't do something really good, but I tell you, she was, her faith was big enough that the father included it in that chapter. Wow. Raise the standard by identifying principles. What were the principles that were worth living and dying for? What's really important? Number, letter C, return to the purpose. David, man, he's looking at this thing over and he said, let's get back to our purpose. What, what are we letting this guy? This is our land. God gave us this land and this guy is encroaching. These people are in the way. Do you realize that if you don't take him out, we're not going to be safe having crops. Any, we will not get to plant our crops this year because that Philistine army may come right in and destroy everything. Get him. Take that guy out. Return to our purpose, all right? And then look at 12, uh, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So I just called this dump the junk. Dump the junk that does not fit the purpose. If it's not part of the purpose, dump it. Get rid of the thing. We spend a lot of time with junk. Is there not a cause? Focus on who to remember. Look at verse 2 of 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look, kids, we're, if we're here. And, and we're getting a chance to look back at the witnesses. Faith did this, faith did that, faith did this, faith did this, faith did that, faith did this, because this one believed, and I'm receiving the benefits of all the things they paid. They made the principle, and I'm receiving the interest. I'm getting the benefits of what they did. Follow me? 
But there's one. There's one that I got to look back to that tells me that one did it and set all these principles up. There wouldn't even be these principles if it wasn't for this one that died on the cross that rose again the third day. If it wasn't for this one who looked at this whole thing from here where he created it to the end where he restores it, that didn't look on that day right there and say, for the joy that is set before me of having all of that I'm going to endure the cross, despise its shame. Yes, I know I'm going to be humiliated. Yes, I know I'm going to die. Yes, I know that I'm going to break relationship with my father. Yes, I know all that's happening. But here's what my father promised. That if I lay down my life, I can take it up again. That if I do what I'm doing right here, my father said he would give me people to occupy this earth when it's restored. It's worth it to me to lay down my life for the things I'm going to get in the future. You follow what we're talking about? That's why we're saved by hope. Yeah, I know we're saved by faith, but Romans chapter 8 says we're saved by hope. He said, but hope that's seen now isn't hope. Why would you keep on hoping for it? You've already got it. Friends, we're looking at that one. We're looking for the future, and we're looking back at that one that made that future possible. We're not looking back there so we can camp back here and feel bad because we're such a dirty, rotten, scum of the earth sinner. What we're going to do, we're going to come back here knowing that's what I was, knowing that he died for that, and knowing that he just made me new so that I can be in this one with him. That makes my obedience important. You follow where we're coming from? Because I want to be in that one. I want to be just as far up the chain of that one as I possibly be. He's already guaranteed I get to be there. But I want to know that I've got something to give him. I want to know that I've, and so I'm going to live that obedient right now. So let me go on further. Looking unto Jesus, <clears throat> the witnesses speak of faith in a coming city, in a coming world of blessedness. That's what they're dying for. Can I tell you this? The people that died in the wars that we've had, the people that we're going to have Memorial Day for, died because they wanted us to be in a place of blessedness. They're looking ahead. And they know that there was some enemy that was about to take that out. That if that enemy got his way, the future for my children, the future for my grandchildren, the future for any of my great-grandchildren is dependent on whether I take this stand here today or not. And they did it. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Notice this. He's the eternal Son of God, the creator of it all. That's what it means, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that created it all right here, and he's the one through this act here at Calvary, this act of the resurrection that is securing all of this out in the future. He's the author of it. He's the finisher of it, okay? He's the eternal Son of God. He can do it. Verse number two in our outline. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, the inheritor of it all. It's redeemer and it's restorer of it all. God promised him, I will give you all of this. You lay down your life for these people who don't want you to lay down your life. Number three, Jesus died in the past to secure the future. So again, Memorial Day doesn't mean we're going to look back at the past and stay in the past. 
We're going to look at the past and understand that secured the future. So I've got to look ahead to the future and say, what can I do right now that secures that future for my grandchildren? What can I do right now that secures that future for my great-grandchildren? What, what can I do right now that secures it for the next seven generations? I can watch another video game. I can see another movie. I can waste some more time. Let her see. Who for the joy of the future endured the pain? Letter D. I mean, I think I've already sufficiently explained that, so I'm going to go to letter D. We look back on the past to look forward to the future. It is to remember what he did in order to secure the new world coming. So I'm not just looking back. When, when we're to let the word of Christ abide in us, dwell in us richly, what am I remembering? Not just that he died. Not just that he rose again. Where is he now? Ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father praying for me right now. Preparing to do what? Come back. So even as I'm thinking this whole thing through, I remember what he did in order to secure the future. I know that I'm looking back at the past saying he's got the future secure. Why is that important? Because right now, if I can say that, that doesn't look real secure. I'm looking here at policies that have gone on here for this country for a while, and if, if any of us think that we're going to be able to live the same lifestyle we've been living, you're greatly deluded. Somebody is making some major faux pas all along the way that are going to assure that you don't get that. So if your future is resting in who you hope wins the next election, you're in major trouble. You better, if you're going to use the word election, make sure you're getting the right elector. He elected you. Follow where I'm coming from? He put you in this place, not you put him. We are in need of people who are willing to look ahead to what Christ is doing and stop thinking you're somehow going to change this into the millennium. You're not. The, the millennium requires the king. Letter E. Our motivation for living is not found, not out of debt and obligation to his past actions. That's not a good enough reason, kids. It's not a good enough reason to look back and say, because Jesus died for me, I'm going to do these other good things. Because I'm going to promise you the day is going to come when you're going to stop looking back to see what Jesus did for you, and you won't have any hope left. You better look ahead to what the future is. This is where you're going, because kids, well, let's go on with this. Why do I want to do that? It's to warn all of the future ahead. Can I tell you, there are some people that are going headlong very fast, about 100 miles an hour, to a future that is horrid. They will live forever apart from God. And if somebody doesn't warn them, somebody doesn't at least say, you're in trouble, friend. Great perils ahead for you. Number two is to prepare to live properly in the next world. Paul wrote to Timothy saying, you know, bodily exercise accomplishes a lot, or little. But I will tell you, godliness works both in the life which now is and the one which is to come, 1 Timothy 4.8. Think it through. What's the thing you can do that will develop that will help you in this life and in the one to come? 
I can promise you, you can exercise all you want to, eat all the right kinds of foods. Can I tell you this? You still have a date with death. You're going to die. You're just going to die healthy. You're going to get to die pretty. You follow where I'm coming from? But you are going to die. And you better ask the question, what happens after I die? Because you're going to live somewhere forever. And God's looking at the future for you. And we're still here because there's a future for somebody else. All right, let me go further. It is to live in the fear of the Lord of the future. You're going to be judged. You say, no, 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 Jesus, Jesus took it all. There's no condemnation. I didn't say condemnation. You're going to be judged. We have to be a people who come to realization. And let's get number four. It is for accountability. We must all appear before the judge of of Christ. Yes, your sins have been judged and you have been given entrance into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But kids, what you do in the kingdom of God is determined by what you're doing right now. There is an accountability. He is looking for the obedient people. He is going to look at them and say, you were faithful over little, I'll make you faithful over much. You're faithful over five cities, I'll make you faithful over 10. You were faithful over 20 cities, I'll make you faithful over 40. It's being able to give a good account to the Savior in the future. You don't just be looking at the past and say, good, I've got my ticket. I don't need to be concerned about anything anymore. No, I want to know that I'm living for him. That is about my future. All right. All right. I think I'm. Number four, is there not a cause? What to do about it? What, what are we going to do about this thing? Is there anything in the cause of America that is the teaching of Christ? Is there any of the principles that these founding fathers set up? Are there any principles there that are really worth keeping? Is there anything there that was absolute? You say, well, why, why are you even saying that? Do we not have some cause to keep things going in a way that allows everybody to have the same kinds of freedom you did? Is it not a cause? And when you look back at these people that you're, you're going to see next door in Lakeview or wherever your loved ones are, is there not a cause? Is there not something that's worth keeping, that's worth you being willing to give your life for too? Is any of absolute worth? And certainly I can say this. You, you want to be someone who is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? God promised to take care of you. Right? That's future looking. Letter B. Know the story. Tell the story with faith and enthusiasm. Tell the story of our nation. Tell the story of Christ. Tell the story of your family. Tell the story of how we came to be who we are. Tell the story of the church. Tell the story with faith and enthusiasm. Get away from the screen. Turn that thing off. Get outside and get to work. Learn some responsibilities. Get outside. Learn to appreciate things that are really important. And then if I can say, teach the values and responsibilities. Let your children work. I'm not saying make them work. Let them work. For goodness, they need it. They need to know the responsibilities. They need to know the things they can do. All right? There are things we can do about it, things we ought to be doing about it. Fair enough, everybody? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? Or do you sometimes feel like David? You just showed up to a battlefield and it looks like everybody's living in fear. 
And you want to say, hey, stop. What, 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 what? Pinch me. Am I in the wrong world? What happened here? Let's wake up. Let's be about it. That's why I would like you to join us on Wednesday nights. Just come and eat some food. If you, if you, you forget and don't bring anything, come anyway. I promise you there's plenty to eat. Just show up and let's have some discussions together about what can a community of believers do living in a hostile world that's full of not truth. How do we learn to live by truth and stop living by lies? All right? If you haven't put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, please do that today. Don't let this day go away. Make this a remembering day, a memorial day, one you can really enjoy and remember. You trusted Jesus Christ on that day, and your life was changed from child of wrath to a child of God. Father, thank you so much for the beauty and the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the joy of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the great future you have lined out for us. We ask just now for the sake of Christ that no one will leave here without knowing a bright future is ahead for them. Keep us, Father, from the decisions that are just regrettable decisions of things that are not important, things that have really no value at all. Bring people to faith in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, as you're leaving today, uh, I realize it's coming up on Memorial Day. I'm just asking you this. Have a, a good remembering day where you're remembering and remembering the right things. Give God the opportunity to help you remember the things that are really important, the things that really do count. We're in great need, brothers and sisters, of a, of a people who can turn around. You know, every time that uh, the, in church history, every time the, the church drifted into corruption, it caused the whole world to drift into corruption. And there would be some person that would rise, some hero that would rise up and say, there's got to be something different. There's got to be something that's new, something that is refreshing, refreshingly old, some part of our faith that needs to be renewed, and then something different will change. Wouldn't you like to be that difference? Wouldn't you like to be the people who turned the thing around? Maybe, maybe you didn't affect the whole nation, but you turned it around for our generations. You turned it around for our grandkids. You turned it around for our great-grandkids. You were there. You saw it. You knew the importance, and you turned it around. Remember, Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the good things you're doing in us. We ask just now for the, Lord, the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will open our hearts to truth. Help us to be a people who do stand and will take their stand. We'll give you praise for that. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch.org all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.